No, no, I think Breakthrough TV gives bad, bad, bad broadcasting a good name. You're listening to Con Air Radio. Stop whining. It's about to begin. <laughs> Hello, my name is Robert Tab. I am the host of Con Air Radio. I'd like to introduce my co-host, Jared Bernal, running the board, and the beautiful Amy Hansen. Hey. Hello. <laughs> What do you, so what have you guys been doing since Comic-Con? Um, I, I just, I've been having fun. I've been out of town a couple times and enjoying the summer. Yeah, I've been uh, searching for a new job, which I did get. Um, other than that, I've been hunting Pokemon with the, the new <laughs> Pokemon Go I've done app. a little bit of that. Did you see that there was a video this morning about um, the, uh, in New York, New York uh, Central Park was just flooded with yes. people going after a rare Pokemon. <laughs> well, just, even even down here, like the parks around here, uh, I know Tempe uh, Tempe Beach Park was just completely packed. People just walking around, bumping into each other. But I will say this: I love the fact that people are getting out of the house, That's exercising, the uh, interacting with people that they never would have met. You know, and it, like I've I've met probably like twenty different people. Just hunting Pokemon, <laughs> which awesome. is which is awesome. It has been. I, I we play a K, or I play, um, and Red Mountain Park right over here mm-hmm. is phenomenal. I guess too. I haven't been there during the. Yeah, we we were talking about going over to there uh, sometime soon. So I have a bunch of people that are going there, and they, they hang. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, I would also like to introduce our special guest, uh, mm-hmm. author Sharon Skinner. Hi. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm really good. Busy, but as usual, but good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, busy's, busy's always good. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I want to ask you a question, and I think uh, it's pretty interesting to me. So what, tell me a little bit about you serving in the Navy. I know you're an author, and I start out with such, a, such an unusual question. But Well... No, I mean, that's not that unusual, especially now, because uh, recently I had a lot of people asking about it and asking me to start writing about it. So now you can visit my website, and I'm blogging about uh, my time in the Navy, the highlights. So there are some, I'm still in boot camp on the blog, uh, but check that out at uh, SharonSkinner.com if you're interested in more details. But I was young, and I was uh, looking for a way to pay for uh, or get an education. And, you know, I didn't come from a... I came from a lower middle-class family. There were six kids and no real money for that. And I kind of screwed the things up a little bit on trying to get a scholarship because uh, school bored me. So I looked around, and I had uh, relatives who'd been in the military, and then I met some people who were in the military, and I thought, oh, yeah, maybe this is something I want to do. So I applied to go into the Air Force because I was like, thinking, oh, this is like the elite. This is where I want to go. And that didn't work out uh, because I didn't want to be a mechanic. And so basically I ended up being an electronics technician in the United States Navy. That's amazing. Well, and it I was, heard uh, you were one of the first women to uh, 
go on six-month cruise? Yeah, I was on the first ship that took women on a full six-month Westpac cruise. Prior to that, they had done a sit-rep with women that went out for a weekend, I think. Uh, and then the USS Jason, which was a repair ship, AR-8, took a contingency of 43 women in a crew of 928 out on a six-month Westpac cruise. And so we went to Hawaii, Japan, the Philippines, the Indian Ocean, the Indian Ocean, the Indian Ocean, <laughs> Australia, and, uh, and back again. So it was, it was really fascinating. It was a challenge in many ways, being one of the first women to go to sea. It was 1980-81, uh, but it was, it was really a great time, and I wouldn't give it, I wouldn't give it back. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. What an amazing experience. Now, did, did you make it to the Indian Ocean? We did, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We, we, we spent a little time in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> Actually, Diego Garcia, which is uh, we lease from the British, is a teeny tiny island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and it's known as the Footprint of Freedom because it's shaped like a footprint. It's a teeny tiny island that um, was original originally copra plantations and it's got a spot on it where it's so narrow it's so long and narrow it's like the outline of a footprint and with little toes in the in the <laughs> opening but there's one point where you can actually stand with your foot in the ocean and the other foot over the island in the um bay oh wow. so yeah so it's it's very narrow but it's it's pretty cool Oh, it's cool. beautiful. That's it's a beautiful nice. place. Very pristine prior to, you know, the leaky oil from Navy ships and oh, stuff. Okay. <laughs> so um, I know you said you're also an author. I am. Of course. How many books have you written? How many books have I written or how many books do I have published? Well, because both. Because of two different both. questions. Um, so I've written quite a few books. Some will never see the light of day. Uh, and, but I have four published novels, and I have a book of poetry, prose, and short stories out as well. I recently signed an agreement for a picture book, which I can't talk about the details on yet. <laughs> it's killing me. Um, but uh, so I have uh, the four published novels. I have another novel, an urban fantasy, that I am shopping around right now. Nice. And uh, so I write mainly middle grade and young adult, but of course now picture books. Uh, I have a number of picture books sitting in a drawer too, never to see the light of day. Oh, well, picture books are more my speed anyway, so. Picture books are yeah. hard. It took me two years to finally write a decent picture book that was uh, agent worthy. Uh, is, I believe Mark Twain is credited with saying, I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. <laughs> Like you, that. you get about 500 words in a picture book, and people don't realize that you still have to tell a compelling story. You still have to have character arc. You still have to, you know, have emotion. There are all these things that have to be put into it. Yes, the pictures tell a big part of the story, but the person writing the words has to make sure that the story is there to begin with. And not only that, but you have to consider things like, Page turns, reveals. Uh, the structure of a picture book is very, Im very important. And until you learn that, you can't really write a picture book. People go, oh, well, I wrote a picture book. Well, no, you wrote a short story for kids, mm -hmm. you know. So uh, one of the things that I was kind of curious about, where's one of your favorite places to write? Interestingly enough, uh, I am not. An, uh, an extrovert in the purest sense of it, nor am I an introvert. I fall somewhere 
on the continuum closer to introvert. So I can go do the public appearances. I can do things like this. But I stay home and write. I don't like to go to a coffee shop. I don't like to go out in public. But what I've found is that if I sit in the living room and I use my laptop and I don't connect to the internet, I get a lot more done with my butt in that chair than I do at my desktop where I have all those lovely distractions. Yeah, that's very important. Just, you know, clicking away from the internet, that's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I write on my laptop. I do. I am the world's worst... um, typist really when it comes to well not just typing I can type directly very quickly I don't type like you're supposed to I keyboard and so when it comes to um, transferring the written words say a lot of people go well I like the feel of the pen and that's cool that's your process but for me that's crazy because then I have to then reread that and figure that out and get it into the computer oh my gosh editing's hard enough revision is hard enough without having to transfer notes into a computer yeah. So I like to do everything digitally. I can barely read my own handwriting, so I go into my work right away. You're not the only one, trust me. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. This is actually a good question for me. Um, so what series, television, or television shows, do, are you into anything like that? I am. I like television. Television is a great opportunity for me to get away from the writing and yet still have a, a way to um, fill my brain up with things like informational. I... I consider the brain to be a big hopper that I like to put information and things into so that when I'm writing, all of that can uh, subconsciously churn as the, uh, into the output. So I'm always trying to fill up that hopper. So I'm a very voracious reader. I read across the board. I'm very eclectic in that. And I watch uh, a fair variety of television programming. So uh, Rizzoli and Isles, which is unfortunately ending this season, is one of my all-time favorites. I love the female characters and their relationships and how it's a, it, it, if you're familiar with the Bechdel test, then you'll know that uh, it's really important that women in television and books talk to each other and not about men all the time. <laughs> and so they have that great relationship. So that's one of my top favorites. I like Bones because of the, the characters and the relationships. And I also like the NCIS, uh, especially the original because of the very quirky characters in it. So I like quirky television. Um, when I, I just had neck surgery in January, so I was out of commission and in a brace for a while, which gave me some opportunity to sit in front of the television. Do Be- some binge watching. Yeah, so I rewatched <laughs> the entire uh, series of Buffy. Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Number one on my what do I want to rewatch list. So, yeah. Firefly for me. Firefly is good, but I just um, finished that myself. Firefly. Yeah, Firefly is good, but for me, I'm looking for that quirkiness. I'm looking for the, I love uh, the the strong female heroes Mm -hmm. and protagonists. I I want to make sure, and you know, Whedon is really really great Mm -hmm. for character arc in all of his uh, what he does. His his ability to humanize and to provide emotional character arcs is fabulous. Yeah, so definitely. I know this isn't a question uh, that that we have prepared, but because because you just said that uh, the the whole um, female empowerment uh, type movie, so I just watched the Ghostbusters movie. Now, were you a fan of the old Ghostbusters, and what do you think about the <laughs> the gender swap for the new one? So, okay, first of all, yes, I'm a fan of the the original. I'm a fan of the people who were who were in it. 
I'm excited that, that we are looking at gender swap. I'm interested in it. I think it can be done better. I love crossplay. I love crossplay in both directions. So mm -hmm. I've seen some really, really fabulous stuff at the cons that I go to in, in respect to crossplay. So I, I'm really a firm believer that we should get to enjoy and entertain ourselves by being whomever we want to be. The, uh, I have not seen the new Ghostbusters because time being what it is, yeah. I don't get to see a lot of movies in the theater. Also, my introvertedness tends to make it so that maybe once a year I'm willing to go to the theater. So I have a very nice large screen television on my wall, big flat screen TV, and a reclining seat nice. in my on my couch that I enjoy my films from. So I won't see that one until it gets to a place where I can put it on my wall. Okay. See, that's <laughs> why I like going to Fat Cat down in Gilbert. They have the big leather reclining seats. Yeah. And you can actually request your chairs, reserve whatever chair you want. To and, the, and that's yeah. really nice and, and, and all. But again, time being what it is, I only have so much time to go out and do things because I still, okay, so one of the things that people don't know about most authors is most of us still have day jobs <laughs> uh, because book royalties go up and down. And a day job is a steady paycheck with benefits, typically, for most of us. So I have a day job, plus the books, plus some volunteering that I do as well. So time being what it is, if I can catch an hour of TV in an evening a couple times a week, that's really about it for me, unless I have surgery or I'm sick or I'm kind yeah. of trapped. So getting out to the film, to the movies, it's got to be something that... You know, okay, maybe Star Trek because oh, it's got to be on the big screen when you see it the first time, or or something with a lot of special effects that you really want to see on the big screen. Right. I'll have because I have to make time and I have to plan it and work it into my very tight schedule. Well, and and I'll just say this, and to anybody listening to, go watch the Ghostbusters movie, and if you do, make sure it's in 3D because oh. it's. The uh, the graphics literally jump off the screen, like they they actually have uh, like the dead space above and below that actually get filled up with ghosts. That's cool. So it's <laughs> that's cool. I, I yeah. although I, I have seen some three D stuff that I doesn't work for me mm -hmm. because it's hard for me. I think it's because of my I have an astigmatism. Yeah. So same, same here. Yeah. Same so I have to be looking directly at that part of the screen in order to get the effect and then i have to wear those glasses over my glasses and mm. it's just really L not the most comfortable thing L luckily i i honestly believe the new ghostbusters movie got it right okay. with, when it comes to the 3d and actually the effects mm. That's so cool. oh no i need to go see it oh yeah, yeah i wasn't thinking about it really to be honest i was <laughs> but now when you say 3d i'm like okay yeah oh, that might be worth it, it. Yeah. <laughs> might oh, be yeah. fun so i'm um, getting back to the books uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about what you have published and uh, what uh, what entails. Okay, so uh, again, I like strong female uh, heroes. So most of my books contain either a strong female protagonist or co-protagonist. My series, the Healers like the Healers Legacy series, I is going to be a trilogy, and I just the second book just came out in November, and it's being very well received, which is very exciting for me. It being a second book. It took longer to get out than I had hoped to, but uh, basically it's the story, um, The Healer's Legacy is the story of a young woman escaping from a bad relationship with the local warlord, and he's got an entire army of mercenaries chasing her across the continent. 
So she only has one edge. She can telepathically communicate with animals. So she travels with a large hunting cat and a miniature dragon. And, you know, as I like to say, who doesn't want to travel with a cat and a dragon? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it's really about, it's really her story. And the second book is, the second part of her journey is when she decides that she's going to go back to her mother's homeland and tr try to find out more about her roots because she's been kind of told all her life a lie about who she is. And so the second book, The Matriarch's Devise, is about that part of her journey. And when she gets back, when she gets to the land of her roots, she discovers that she's not being op uh, welcomed with open arms. And there's a lot of political tr intrigue and strife and even more deadly secrets than she's already thought she was involved in. And I'm currently reading that one and haven't gotten too far along. <laughs> Just to let you know. Okay, no spoilers then. Um, <laughs> no spoilers. That was the, hey, don't spoil it for me alert. Um, yeah, so uh, those books are uh, my most popular right now. They're, they were originally written as young adult, but I have readers 12 to 80. I don't even know anymore uh, loving these books. 49, so, 48. Well... Yeah. <laughs> Don't give yourself a wide, wide, uh, wide age range of readers, uh, male and female alike, enjoying these books. And then I also have some middle grade books out. Uh, the most uh, popular one for 10 and 11 year old boys is The Nelig Stones, which is about two kids who bump into each other at Papago Park. It starts at Papago Park. Nice. I love that park. Isn't that great? Yeah, yeah. I love Hole in the Rock. So that's basically <laughs> they bump into each other at Hole in the Rock. And they get magically transported to a land where dragons rule, fairies carry swords, and they have to find five magic stones in order to get home. So it's a, it's a portal fantasy. It's a quest fantasy. The bigger problem, of course, is they're not the only ones looking for those magic stones. So is this big bad dragon. So, yeah. So, I like that. Yeah. So that's, that's an adventure story. And I'm actually working on, um, I have a sequel planned for that. I have a third book that I'm working on in the Healer's uh, trilogy, and then I have a standalone middle grade called Mirabella and the Faded Phantom, which is uh, paranormal. It's not your typical ghost story, though. It's basically the story of a girl and her mom move into a house that's haunted by a ghost that's been there for so long it's faded away and forgotten who it is and why it's in the house. And because the ghost and Mirabella have something in common, they're both lonely, they become friends. And then the house gets scheduled to be torn down. And Mirabella realizes that in order to help her friend, she has to unravel the mystery of the ghost and why it's in the house. Wow, oh, that sounds kind of great. A, it's it's actually a, a good book. Yeah. I've read it too. Yeah, I have a, I, you know, I can say they're middle grade books, but I have a lot of adults reading them uh, as well and enjoying them. So, yeah. And then I have an urban fantasy right now that I'm in final revision mode on. Final revision with the word final being very... Um, <laughs> tossed around very Loose. loosely. Yeah. Uh, and it's the story of a young girl who's genetically uh, a shapeshifter. She turns into a wolf. Uh, it's kind of a spin on the werewolf uh, stories or myths, but she it doesn't follow them, the myth. And um, she basically, it's a teenager who feels like she doesn't fit into her own skin because, well, she doesn't. <laughs> I like that. Like most teenagers. Right. So. She's not running with the pack. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> All right, so, and this is kind of along that same idea. Have you had any book ideas that you haven't tapped yet? Haven't written or? 
Well, something that, that you know, going, oh, I like this idea, but I just haven't gotten it. All I the way. have a folder full of those, and some <laughs> of them will pan out, and some of them won't. And uh, when I'm when I'm tr- struggling for a blog post or a short story or something like that, I'll actually page through that folder. And this is a real folder, not an electronic folder. This is a folder typically where I jot things down by hand, where I do, because they're just ideas. They're seeds. Mm -hmm. Seeds that may or may not one day be planted and and watered and flower appropriately. Um, And so uh, I'll go through that and I'll I'll toy with some of those ideas. And out of that has come some of the stories I've written and some of the blog posts I've written and some of the uh, flash fiction on my uh, website, on my uh, blog post. So um, if... If I'm really have no idea what I'm going to blog, I might flash fic out of one of those ideas. Some of those have become short stories, and some of those short stories ter- have turned into longer uh, stories. The urban fantasy came from a seed of an idea that then became a short story that then became completely rewritten into a novel. So I have tons of those. I have the ones that you've you get in your head that you have to put in your phone because you're driving. Mm-hmm. Siri, take a note. I have the ones that I wake up in the middle of the night and I try to remember and forget. And I have the ones that I wake up in the middle of the night and go grab a piece of paper and write them down. So, yeah, lack of sleep can be a real problem sometimes. Yeah. I've, um, I tried my hand at writing also. And uh, I think my digital folder is somewhere around 32 projects. Somewhere in that area. Yeah, I just have a paper folders like to I don't even know what's in there anymore but every now and then I'll throw something new in it and I do have some ideas jotted in notes uh, the picture book that I'm working on now came from a, a note that was jotted in my notes because I was I don't know, it was traveling or at a conference or something and so I just threw it into notes and I was going through and trying to clean up, you know, because you have like a million notes that are worthless anymore. And I found it and I was like, oh, oh, I understand structure so much better now. I think I can do this. So I have a concept book that I'm working on, picture book, uh, that I'm I'm struggling with it, though. Again, it takes time. Every time I think I've got it figured out, I realize a single concept is no longer enough for a concept book. So and when I say concept books for picture books, we're talking numbers shapes, colors, uh, things like that, directions. Mm -hmm. Concept books are basically the the very basic of the picture books. And so, but it's getting to where a single concept is no longer enough to sell a picture book idea to an agent or a publisher. They want multiple, so maybe two, two concepts, or a high concept idea with a concept book. It's... It's, it's all pretty interesting where the world has gone in the way of publishing if you want to go through any of the traditional routes. Nice. You know, I was wondering, what, what do you do cons and, and which ones do you do? And I do. I'm at Phoenix Comic Con every year. I'm at Tucson Comic Con every year. I am, this year will, I will be at um, San Francisco Comic Con in September and Alamo City Con in... I think it's in November. Uh, I don't look that far ahead on my schedule because my schedule gets pretty full. I will be doing um, some, I'm doing a lot of workshops and a lot of teaching. I was recently approached by uh, ASU Piper Writing Creative Writing Center to do some teaching there. 
and I will be presenting at the San Diego State University Writers Conference in January. Nice. So they asked me to come and teach some workshops there. So again, when I say my schedule is busy and it's full, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> um, not trying to exaggerate, but uh, I've done panels at also at Emerald City Con and looking to do that again, hopefully this next February, if they select me. Uh, What's nice is that um, a lot of these places where I'm teaching and doing presentations are now recruiting me. So it's not me scrambling to try and get out there as much as I used to have to be like, will you please have me out? You know, that sort of thing. Uh, so that's a nice uh, change in, in the realm. I really like the local cons. I like because they're easy. <laughs> <laughs> very very There's easy less, to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be doing Tuscon this year with uh, George R.R. R. Martin. I've been doing Tuscon for the last uh, few years. They've invited me to be oh, a presenter yeah. every year for the last few years. So I'll be there with George R.R. R. Martin. So, just, yeah. just be careful. He might kill you off. <laughs> he, he will likely uh, add me somewhere in a story <laughs> at some point and kill me because I think he does that to everyone he meets. He must. Otherwise, he'd run out of people to kill. Yeah. He, he has a yeah. book series I think everyone seems to like. What was that? Game of... Game of Chairs thing. or something? Yeah, yeah. Musical yeah. Chairs. Musical yeah. Chairs. That's something. it. Bloody Musical Chairs. <laughs> that, it, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, Sesame Street... She did a really funny... Yeah, I saw yeah. that. It was hysterical. With Grover. Uh, have you seen that, Amy? No. Oh, you that have. sounds I'll, interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's it's hysterical. Yeah, it's a Sesame Street too. spoof. Yeah, yes, it's, it's a spoof. They actually have puppets of uh, Joffrey, um, of uh, the Daenerys. Am, Daenerys. They have they have all <laughs> that, and then Grover's the one that's like the Sesame Street character Who's conducting doing the, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so awesome. That's gonna be interesting. Yeah. It's it's pretty funny. Yeah. And she she's yeah. our uh, local uh, Game of Thrones aficionado. aficionado. Okay. Yes. I'm I'm well, only halfway through the third season right now, so. And you're loving it. I know oh, I'm loving it. it. Yeah, my, my fiance and I we're I, we're binge watching it. Like Facebook, she's she's like, I love this show. As long as Pokemon doesn't get in the way. Yeah, yeah, we, we've oh. we've actually been a little lax this past week because we keep going out every night and hunting. Well, that's Darn so good, that though. getting out of the house. I know. Stuff. Yeah. You know the exercise it gets in the way. Yeah. Yeah, I actually have a little um, stepper that I have in front of the tele television so that periodically oh, I make idea. myself get up and do so many steps in order to reward myself with being able to sit and watch television. I don't think that would work with Pokemon, though. No, no, no it's, it's GPS-based. <laughs> yeah, no. you have to move around. Yeah, yeah actually, we, we found that out the hard way. Uh, yeah. She went to, the, uh, went to the gym, and she went like two hours on an elliptical. It did not count for anything. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I apparently it didn't count. did not count. Yeah, apparently you've gotta go find them. Personally, you know, if I could I'd sit there and just let them come to me. Otherwise I'm not which, gonna play the game. Which, which, which you I can do. Have time and I have been. You, 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 with they the have, trap, with the right? incense. Okay. The incense so, I've just been so, sitting but there here's almost the thing. level five. But here's the thing that I saw a post and I and I and I posted it on Facebook. So if you have traps or lures for mm -hmm. Pokemon uh, they recommend that you take them places like children's hospitals and yes. give them away to kids who can't get out of bed. And there's also another thing I saw. There was oh, a um, there was a couple of shelters oh, that are saying, you know, come by, show us your Pokemon Go app, walk one of our dogs while you're going out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I heard just heard about that. Yeah, you can you can exercise our dogs. You have a companion to mm -hmm. to help protect you if need be, <laughs> and you're getting your exercise too. I think it's a great idea. So there are a lot of 
really cool ideas that are coming out of this. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting. I read a post by a woman the other day whose son is autistic, and she it was recommended that she see if he would play the game. He started playing the game, got really excited, and became very social yep. with other kids playing the game, something that he hadn't done before. So there's a lot of good stuff coming out of it. It's, it's a phenomenon. Yeah, it's a really it's, interesting thing. It's funny to see when all the different people, because I, I've been playing, and I, there's a, a station not far from my house, so I kind of wander up there at night sometimes and I just sit there. And I had a couple of kids that were sitting up against the wall, and they just kind of like, are you playing Pokemon? I'm like, yes. And then this huge-ass construction vehicle pulls up, braking really quick, stops. Guy with a beard about four or five inches long gets out, and he's going... <laughs> with, his, with his phone. He's like, okay, got it. <laughs> you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's terrible to watch this. I mean, I swear, and there's a, there's a biker bar that I like to go to occasionally just down the street called What the Hell. Uh, oops, that was a. Uh, it's okay. It's it's internet. You, yeah, you can say you can whatever say you want. That. Anyway, but uh, in any but, case, but let's not say too much of it because I write middle grade and one. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Picture anyway, books. The, it's I like the, I'm sitting there going, oh man, I can see going in there, but can you just see you know you know sixty bikers going around going? I can't get in. Oh, got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I've I've kind of seen that already. Um, all right. Well. So uh, funny. Getting back to the books, do you have uh, any projects coming up, and where can we actually find your books? Okay, so the books are available through all the online outlets, you know, uh, independent stores like Mysterious Galaxy, uh, as well as Barnes & Noble, uh, Amazon, yes, the big Amazon. Mm -hmm. I know people don't want to hear that, but it's... You know, I get a lot of book sales out of Australia and Ireland and Germany because I'm on Amazon. Kobo. Kobo is big in Australia. I'm selling a lot of books on Kobo in Australia. So all the online. Uh, but you can ask your local bookstore to order it in. They okay. can do that. It's, um, it's, they don't tend to put them on the shelf because... Shelf space being what it is, and I've—I mean, it's been on the shelves. But the the challenge with books and marketing and and bookstores is that shelf space is at a premium. Mm -hmm. There's only there are a lot more books published than can fit on a bookshelf. Plus, uh, if you do get in a bookstore, and I'm in the bookstores, like I, there's a Barnes and Noble in Las Vegas that loves me, so I do a book signing there like every year oh, uh, nice. with a, a group of authors, and uh, I'm on their shelves, and it's one of the few places where my books are face out. So nice. because face out is pay to play typically, and the bigger publishers usually uh, scarf up all that space. So you know, so some bookstores, but you can always order it in the libraries. Uh, if they don't have it, some of them do have my books. Mesa libraries have my books, but uh, some of the libraries don't yet. And you can ask for them to order them in and ask them to to purchase copies of the books. Uh, they do tend to fly off the shelves, which is great. That's exciting. I and I know this because I regularly go in. Yes, I do, and I look at things like. Hmm, how many of my books are available at the library this month, you know, or this week, or whenever I have a chance? So um, I'm, I'm always looking at things like that. So they're available also anywhere I am. So I sell them out of the trunk of my car. And um, Meet me at the Circle K on the yeah. corner of Greenfield. And yeah, so, so I always have books with me. And also any of the cons that I'm at, any of the conferences, any of the workshops that I teach, I always have books for sale. That's nice. Yeah. 
All right, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I do know that, though, I believe that the Red Mountain here at Red Mountain Library, they actually have them here, too. So. They do. They actually have signed copies of my books here because the Red Mountain Library is really cool. The Mesa Red Mountain uh, Library has a collection of signed author books. So they actually, and you can check them out. It, it's very cool. So, it, you know, you get that in your hands and J.A.J.N.S. or local authors. It's mostly local mm -hmm. authors. So um, so I know they have copies of my books, but the, the Mesa Public Libraries has multiple copies of my books. So you can um, check them out from the various branches. And if they don't happen to have them on the shelf, you can ask them to ship them on over to your, your branch. Nice. I love the Mesa libraries. I'll be doing a workshop, a free, I don't do a lot of free <laughs> workshops anymore, uh, but I will be doing a free workshop at the Red Mountain Library on August 6th on world building. Okay. So. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, we'd like to thank you for coming, and uh, we look forward to seeing your stuff, reading your stuff, and seeing at the cons. It was a Thanks. pleasure to meet you. Thank yeah. you. It was fun being here. Um, do check out my website, uh, www.sharonskinner.com, for other information about me. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Pinterest. I'm trying to be on some other things, but I'm not so good at the other things. So those are the key <laughs> places to find me. Uh, all of my appearances are listed on my website, and I blog. I try to blog weekly. Uh, about uh, the craft of writing or and or about uh, my time in the military, things like that, whatever people seem to feel is of interest. Also, um, I recently took over as the regional advisor for the state of Arizona for the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. So we have a lot of exciting events and activities coming up in that realm. So if you want to write for kids, check that out. It's uh, www.arizona.scbwi.org. Cool, cool. Beautiful. All right. Yeah, we'll make sure to link to that, too. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, and that's a wrap. I see trees of green, red roses, too. I see them blue. For me and you And I think to myself Bullshit! What a wonderful world Where are you going? You're going to pick a fight Don't be too proud of this technological terror you've constructed.